It is our Badger Hockey Insider, former Badger Hockey great, Barry Richter. Good morning, Bear. Good morning, boys. How you doing? Uh, I am doing awesome. Doing good, How Barry. are you? Good, good. Good to hear you guys. Uh, Barry, well, it's always good to hear from yeah. you, bro. We're going to have a special treat. We're going to be joined by the second member of the Richter family, Pat. A uh, big announcement. A uh, big honor for your dad, Barry, coming up. So I'm really looking forward to that here in a couple minutes. But uh, let's do the hockey stuff first. And uh, it's I like a the question Bucks. for Barry. Go Clay. ahead. Barry, have you, would you ever come in and like guest host a whole four hours with us? I might be able to do that. Cause I'm like, I'm, know, I'm yeah. serious. Because when you're on, when Barry's in here with Strobel, isn't it awesome when Barry just takes over the interview yeah. and he like gives us like the just wait, I got this question yeah. finger. Yeah, Barry, you should come in here Barry, for like an extended time. Sometime. You are always welcome to be a guest host. You have a lifetime oh, invite to be a guest host if you ever want it. Oh, you guys are the best, but I don't know if I have enough material for four hours. You ah. have to help me out. You just follow our lead, Richter. Yeah. yeah. I'll just put it on a tee for you. You swing, and it's all good. And hockey guys are good at golf, so it'll be fine. That's right. Uh, Barry, I've seen this movie before. Uh, The only difference was they they put the ending first and the beginning at the end because they switched the the, the template of winning on Friday versus Saturday. But uh, here we go again. You get all excited one night, look amazing on Friday night, score six goals on the road against a – Highly talented Notre Dame team. You feel like maybe this is finally the week. And then you come back Saturday and you score two goals and you lose 5-2. I mean, just it's got to just be so frustrating as a Badger hockey fan this year. You get the greatness of Friday night, and then you come right back down to to the sadness of Saturday. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like reversal on the road. I was telling Nelly. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, on the road, they, they seem to get a win, and then, you know, of course, the team's going to come back when they're at home. They're going to they're gonna try to do anything they can to – sort of win that second game and, and go all out in front of their home fans. But it is frustrating, especially when you're looking at trying to get uh, complete sweeps here on the weekends to try to move them up in the rankings. So that's that's the thing, that they just can't get going. And they know it. You know, you see Tony Granato's press conference. He's just talking about how you can't – you got to start getting complete sweeps here and, and sort of uh, moving up the rankings. And right now they're just sort of, you know – kissing each other sort of so to speak they're, they're not moving up they're just getting three points out of six on the weekends and and they're not putting a full uh, full weekend together but uh, you look back on against Notre Dame I mean they just uh, I mean the penalty kill is just killing them guys I mean they, they allowed three goals on on, on Saturday they, they've been in the box um, I think they had maybe like the penalties were like seven to two or something like that. It was just, it wasn't on TV, but I just looked at the box score and just read some highlights a little bit about it. And, you know, when you're, when your special teams is, is, is letting in three goals uh, a game, you are not going to win. It's just almost like turnovers in football. Barry, what do you think it is that the, in your humble opinion, like why is there no consistency? Why can't they build on a complete sweep? Like what do you think it is? Well, I think in the you know I mean, they lost Turcotte for the Saturday game, and that's one of their their better players, and that's no excuse. It's sort of next man up, but it just seems like they got something going on. They're either getting in penalty trouble, and and it's always and I've been part of these teams. I've been part of these teams where you just are just looking for a glimmer of hope or a glimmer of positive, you know, something to to glob onto, and then all of a sudden you have a stretch where you do have that positiveness, and then. You know, then you do something that just just hurts your team. So, and, and right now they're looking at where well, they just had turnovers. They're in the box, you know, too often. Um, there's a, there's a, I don't know if you read the newspaper, but there's a play where the the clock there's a human error on the clock, guys, and they scored with seven seconds left, and again that period should have been ended. 
the Notre Dame team scored to make it 3-1 heading into the third, and it should only have been 2-1 because that goal should have been disallowed. And the league actually, uh, uh, you know, admitted to it, but there's nothing he can do. Wow. Way, way, way too late. So, I mean, just it's one thing after another. And, and what are you going to do? Tony's not going to say anything in the press conference. He's not going to get, you know, they, they accepted him the air. But at the same time, a, a 3-1 lead and a 2-1 lead is a big, big difference. So it's just it's things like those. It just seems like it snowballs. It's just Very. not going their way. We'll say something for Granado. Who do you want us to go after? You send us a list of names. Yep. And we'll get after them. I'll send my guys Moose and Rocco on it, Barry. Who do we got? Who do we got to do, Barry? We'll get them. Well, geez, I mean, it's just it's, it's, I don't know. Who All right, we'll be off here conversation. Might, yeah, you send be, us yeah, a list. That might yeah. be better off here. That uh, might be offline. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. you guys getting in trouble. But, but oh, is, don't worry about us, Barry. We'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> but that's that's the kind of thing that should not happen in today's world where. There's 42 seconds or whatever it was that should have been knocked off the clock. I mean, that's a big, big difference, guys. And 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 usually they they buzz the horn and they allow they they get the refs over and they stop play right there and they they correct it. So for that to happen, I I could see uh, you know Tony was pretty calm in his press conference on that one. But that two one and three one is a big, big difference. That's a major error. Uh, visiting with our Badger Hockey Insider, Barry Richter. Uh, before we get ahead to the uh, the Gopher preview, Barry, you know, speaking of the games, seeing this movie before, it's like we've done this topic before. Again, where you look at the Big Ten standings, and despite being in last place, they're still not out of reach of certainly maybe even the lead or certainly getting into the top half. You have 10 games left, you know, because everybody in the Big Ten seems to be just kind of treading water right now uh, outside of Penn State. So at what point do you say – they're running out of games because look, here we go again. You know, you get six points from Minnesota this week. You potentially get as high as fourth in the conference. Uh, you string together three or four wins. Now you're right in the top three. I mean, at what point do you say we're running out of time? Because as bad as just kind of the treading water's been, that there's still, it seems to me, if they could win three, four games in a row, they're still right back in this thing. They could, but I'm I'm looking at the standings, and when you when you see that you have the games played, and that's a big big difference, guys. When you see Minnesota at fifth and Michigan at sixth, and they only have 14 games played, and you have Wisconsin at 16 games played, they're going to have to almost run the run the table here, and so they they are close, very close to running out of time. And uh, as we've always said, it's uh, the, the one thing that you do have in college hockey is if you can't get in the top 15 in the rankings. You know, you have a chance of running the table in the in the conference playoffs, and if you win the conference championship, that's one way to get in, and that's that's the only way they're going to be able to get in the NCAA is, is to play well. And those that stretch of two weeks when you're playing against your own teams in your conference, but they're pretty much out of time here, guys. That they can just, but they, more importantly, I think they're just looking at one game and just. I know it's Coach Speak, Evo, but uh, Barry, you I know I love it. You know, I know you love it, and uh, and here's Tony. He said the same thing. It's like we just got it. We got to start getting some momentum. That's what they're. I mean, they're worried about just getting momentum and starting to put together strings of wins. And you don't get strings of wins if you can't win Friday night against Minnesota. That's for sure. Barry, we were talking Monday about it, and I was um, I channeled my inner Barry Richter, and I said you got to do the you got to do the simple things. You got to keep your stick on the ice, and you got to let the game come to you. And I think you, you do those three things, and I think we can you know string together some wins here. Here you go, Evil. You could be in the NHL as a coach. I'll take the paycheck. <laughs> uh, he's got that Norse, you know, background, Barry. So he's got those those Nordic genes. Um, you know, you you look at Minnesota. Talk about you know a mirror image of Wisconsin. They got to be, uh, I would think, feeling the exact same way up in Gopherland, right? They, you know, we're coming in at ten and thirteen. They're coming in at ten and ten. 
Um, it's been a couple down years for Minnesota. We've been kind of waiting when we come back. Uh, Minnesota's not used to not playing in NCAA tournaments and Frozen Fours. Uh, this, this has got to be pretty similar uh, territory for both these teams right now, right? Yeah, very similar. Minnesota's got a little stretch going here, guys. They've been five and two pretty much since the the, the second half of the year, so they've been getting some production in terms of getting some wins. And they are the youngest team in NCAA's, and Wisconsin's the second youngest team in NCAA's. So they've been getting some some uh, production, I guess, so uh, so to speak, as of late. And, the, uh, and Tony's recognized that. He's recognized that. You know, we've, we've seen Minnesota. This is what we want to get from our team, from our young players. They should be playing now. We should be getting production from them too. You know, because it takes a couple months for these 17 and 18 year olds to figure out the game and and figure out the uh, the systems that they play. So Minnesota's got a little bit of an upper hand right now, but they're going to be coming and playing on our home ice. So we got it's always going to be a great atmosphere when, when, when the Gophers play the Badgers. And, and for the for the Badgers to come in there, I mean, they, they, or Minnesota to come in, you know, if we could get a sweep, I mean, it would just knock us back up and, and just sort of knock Minnesota down. We'd leapfrog them in the standings, and that would be a huge, huge positive effect on the team's mentality. Uh, when you look at this weekend, I mean, again, Barry, final thought, um, yet, you, you know, it's, 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 you know, is it last stand time? I know you said, you know, you're getting close to that. I mean, you, you do obviously still, regardless what happens this regular season, you have a big 10 tournament and that's the ultimate, you know, you win that, you get the automatic, but you know, do you look at three home series left, Minnesota, Penn state, and then a non-conference with Arizona state, you know, you got to protect the home ice and then, you know, try and find a way you know, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State to steal one or two on the road here in the, in the final month and a half of the season? Yeah, I mean, that's in long-term, that's the long-term goal. I mean, it's, uh, I know the coaches aren't looking at that, but I'm, I'm sure in the back of their minds they are. They are not anything goes then. Anything goes. You get a hot goaltender, you run into a hot goaltender. You know, top teams, you know, Michigan State and Penn State, when you're looking at them, all of a sudden they have one or two key injuries, you know, or their top goaltender goes down, and then it's all all – it's all love and war there, boys. I mean, anything can happen. And that's the great thing about the game of hockey and parity. It's just, it, 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 you know, you've seen it in the NHL. You've seen it with St. Louis, eight beating ones. That stuff can happen. So you just got to get some momentum here. And I know that everyone's been waiting. It's been a long time. And, and this is the, definitely the best weekend to do it because nothing better than, uh, you know, beating, you know, the Gophers for the Golden Mullet. Yeah, speaking of that, Barry, um, you know, I know we're we're deep into to Big Ten now. I mean, it, did it did, does it ever change for you as a former player? You know, growing up around this program uh, to go from WCHA, or I mean, do, do you always think of Badger Gophers as those old WCHA rivalries? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's where it's, those are huge rivalries, great great rivalries, especially in the old Marinucci Arena. I mean, that just it goes back to the 1970s with Herb Brooks and against Bob Johnson. And, and, and players that maybe got snubbed that from Minnesota that came to play for Wisconsin and those and just making sure that they're they're making a statement against the team that maybe didn't pick them. So there's a couple of Minnesota guys on the team, and I think it's going to be a great great weekend for the uh, the Badgers. We have a special treat here because when you you, know, you always we always text uh, each other on, on Tuesday. You Ebo and I had to kind of go over the, the segment and the timing and, and the deets. And you said, "Well, there's something special with my dad." Uh, can I mention? I said, "Barry." Come on, it's bro. the freaking face that built the place. You don't mention Pat Richter. You bring Pat Richter live on the Joe Nebo show. So we say good morning to your dad, Badger icon, Pat Richter. Morning, Pat. Morning, Pat. Morning, boys. How are you? 
Uh, you know, I'm just, we're just good, you're getting man. pumped up by your son here, so uh, welcome in. He's got a good coach speak that he's given us. I think he might have learned it from you. <laughs> yeah, well, he talk about a lot of things, like legal talk. You know, you talk around the corner and never hit the ball as a bullseye. You just keep talking around it. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, Barry, you, you asked us if you could mention it on the air. I said, no, screw that. Bring your dad on. So please, Barry, by all means, tell us why, you, why we wanted to bring uh, your dad on today and this great honor that's getting passed along to Pat Richter this weekend. Well, I'll turn it over to him in a second, but, uh, you know, this, this Saturday, he's going to be flying back in because East is going to, you know, do a celebration for him and, and they're going to name the basketball floor after my father, Pat Richter, who's on the air here. And it's just a great, great thing. And you look back and, you know, I, I look back and all the Madison born sports, uh, personalities and, and what he's done and he'll never say it. I know he's embarrassed right now that I'm saying it, but he's got to be the most uh, celebrated and, iconic Madison born sports, uh, folks out there. And so he's a humble guy. And, and, um, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that it's East against Memorial. So I got some Memorial buddies that, that are definitely, uh, going to be paying attention. And so it's just a, a wonderful thing for East high school to do that. He won a championship, I believe in 1958 with them. And so I'll just turn it over to him and then making sure that, uh, cover all the things here, but, uh, that's going to be happening Saturday night during the Gopher Badger hockey game. Well, you you read it just like I gave it to you, Barry. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> you trained him well, Dad. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, well, it's 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 more than just the field. The uh, the court. It's uh, kind of rededication of the Milt McPike Fieldhouse. Milt was a great uh, friend and a, a unbelievable principal at East High School, and really kind of set the tempo over there in terms of uh, the way he ran uh, things. And uh, so the fieldhouse is being expanded, brand new, with about a. Oh, three plus million dollar project, and uh, some friends uh, got together and said, "Well, it would name the court after me." Actually, a lot, a lot of things happen on that court. Uh, it, it's not the same, obviously, but uh, basketball was where I more or less had an opportunity to make some selections to go to college, and uh, eventually went to Wisconsin on a basketball scholarship and, and played, but didn't uh, didn't play well. I. I, we had an alumni game after uh, years later, and I made one three-point shot and beat my career average by a point and a half. So, uh, <laughs> so, so it's going to be really nice, and it was very generous of them to think of it that way. And so, uh, uh, you know, you think of those things happening way on in life, and it's nice to have them happen while you're still around to enjoy it. And uh, ironically, my father was considered uh, was called Pat Richter as well. He was born on St. Patrick's Day, and I was. Uh, a junior, and so it was Big Pat, Little Pat, and eventually I got bigger than he was, and, <laughs> and then he, but he passed at a young age of 43, and so it, it could, it's almost like a, a dual honor because he went to East High School as well, and so uh, it's very nice to have that happen and have some family around, and Barry and his family would be there to enjoy that, and so uh, very proud of, uh, of what... Uh, uh, this means to me, that's for sure. That's amazing. Uh, visiting with Pat uh, and Barry Richter. And see, Barry, you, you, your dad, you said it, too modest. What he didn't mention is he won nine letters at Wisconsin, three in basketball, three in football, and three in baseball. We think of Pat Richter, the AD, who hired Barry Alvarez and Bo Ryan and Dick Bennett, and the rest is history. Dude could ball back in the day, couldn't he? Yeah, he sure can. You know, I, I, I still... Uh... I always remember the days, you know, back uh, on the east side when I would come home from school or you'd come home from work and we'd go out and play around the world and we'd, you know, you could see that, that magical stroke 
even though he probably oh, didn't yeah. play well in college. <laughs> hey, Pat, i got to ask you, man, was there a moment when you're playing pickup basketball with Barry in the driveway that you're like, oh, my God, he's going to beat me this time? I can't believe it. Oh, it happens all the time, but but he'd throw up some crazy shots, you know, things that I couldn't get my body in position to even try to make them, you know, things like that. But uh, he was a good athlete, and we uh, well, had some interesting conversations. Remember Kurt Mueller, of course, and I remember he, he kind of took on Kurt Mueller up at Kurt's place, and it was like Scottie Pippen versus Michael Jordan, and uh, it was interesting to watch. But uh, he could play basketball, but he was too busy with the stuff on the hard, uh, hard water, and so uh, he made the right decision. Hey, Pat, if you could go back in time to uh, and tell high school version of you that the court was going to be named after you, what do you think you would have said as a high schooler? Well, I thought you would probably have thought it was crazy. I mean, that was <laughs> back in those days, nobody ever thought of <clears throat> things like that. And, of course, uh, it happened at the university with Ab Nicholas and some other things yeah. uh, around, and it's a little bit more prevalent. And many times it's done more or less to, to raise some funds to do it in that way, and it's understandable, it's just a little extras. But... Uh, Certainly didn't think of it that way, but uh, going back and, and thinking about all the great memories and having a chance for to win a championship there at East High School at, uh, in 1958, and you know there's still some of the guys around that we can commiserate a little bit and talk about it. But it's uh, something it's uh, proud to be uh, associated with because when you go back to school and see the trophy case and see that uh, kind of gold ball in there that you're a part of, it's really meaningful. Well, uh, visiting with Pat Richter, uh, Pat, you know, thank God that basketball got you, got us, you here at Wisconsin. Uh, that being said, last I checked, you had a pretty dang good football career, first round draft pick, two time All American. When, when did you know, or when when was it in college that you said maybe maybe football is going to be my path here? When and obviously you went on to a great great football career. Well, when I was at the university, freshmen weren't eligible, and I went there on a, a basketball scholarship, and really with the intention of maybe playing professional baseball, and I wasn't interested in football, but as as we started to, to get closer to the freshman entering uh, school that year, I got a little bit got the itch because I'd played football so many years. Right in the fall, it was something that was just kind of ingrained in me, and so I went to the uh, football coaches and asked them if maybe they could go to Johnny Erickson, a basketball coach, and ask him if it would be all right if I came out for football. I was a little bit afraid to ask him myself. And he said, sure, that's fine. He says it was important just for you to be there at the university and and go ahead and participate in everything you could. So I went out for freshman football, and ironically, uh, my co-captain of the freshman team with myself was Dale Matthews, who was my brother-in-law. And uh, and so it was uh, it was really a, quite a treat to to get back on the field and then uh, be eligible as a sophomore to play. And uh, and then, of course, we had the kind of finish with the Rose Bowl in 1963. And so it was really just kind of something that, you know, I didn't believe that I would be in the study hall or in the library for that period of time that I might be out playing football. And, and you couldn't do it today because there's so many demands on you with weightlifting and things like this. It's just uh, back in those days, I mean, I didn't, really started lifting weights until my last year in professional football after eight years. It was just not something you did. And so you couldn't do it today with all the time commitments that are required. Well, wow, that's a great story. Uh, final question, Pat, I'll leave you this. Was it your call on Pat Richter Court, or were you lobbying for Hugh Vernon Richter Court? <laughs> Listen, you, you got to one of the great uh, trivia questions. You probably heard of Warner Wolf, the old broadcaster, and Warner was a Washington, D.C. broadcaster, and every once in a while he'd drag that out and say, you know who? What's Pat Richter's real name? And they'll, they'll just scour through it. And so, it's uh, nowadays with TSA and the, you know, being 
Exactly. You have to go with the real name. So you put it down there and say Hugh Richter, and they say, who? <laughs> Luckily, I've got credit cards with my real so, name on it. So. B- Barry, be honest. If Pat ever gets in trouble with mom, you, you don't hear Pat, you hear, Hugh, what are you doing? <laughs> no, we never, never did that, but that. she did say for, tell me to say hello to her son on, on the air. So. Uh, <laughs> hey. Yeah, well, Thanks for coming on, Dad. Appreciate it. It'll yeah. be great. Okay, yeah. great. Thanks. Great appreciate it. Hey, thanks, thanks, Pat. Congratulations, Pat, man. Pat, congratulations, man. Thank well deserved. Well deserved honor, my friend. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate there it. He is. Thank you, boys. Bye, Bye. All right. Take care, guys. There they are, yeah. Pat and Barry. That's Richter. cool. That was that was freaking awesome, man. Yeah. It, little known fact: name is not Pat Richter. You, Vernon. Well, and what's Barry's real name? I love it. And by the way. Rose Bowl record for many years, Pat Richter. 10 catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown in that 63 Rose Bowl. Guy was a pretty good player, too. What's Barry's real name, though, too, Miller? Isn't it Baron? <laughs> yeah. I love those guys. Oh, man. Those guys are so cool. That was awesome. The Richter right. family rules. I don't think we've gotten your guys' answers or any of our answers on this. Our Twitter poll at Zoe Madison. If the Packers were in the Super Bowl to face the Chiefs, you think they would have, what, won the game, lost a close game, or been blown out? Right now, 40% of the vote going to blowout. Man. uh, 25% to winning, and 35% losing a close game. See, I said, I'm going to be an optimist optimistic today. I'm going to have my glass half full. The Packers beat the Chiefs early on, or in the middle of the season. I Yes, I know Mahomes wasn't playing. But that was one of the most complete games the Packers had on offense. Aaron Rodgers picked them apart. Aaron Rodgers threw for three tutties to get over 300 yards. And last I checked, Patrick Mahomes doesn't play defense. So Rodgers and the Packers offense, I believe, in the Super Bowl, could have hung with the Chiefs and possibly snuck out a victory. I think they could have done it. You guys? Uh, so you th- Nelson, go ahead. I voted win just because. Why not? I I think they lose. I'm pretty much teetering back and forth between close game and blowout. I think I'd have to lean blowout just because this Chiefs defense, you mentioned how Mahomes didn't play in that first game. He's clearly the best quarterback in the NFL, right? Agreed. And yeah. Matt Moore was, we joked about it going into the game. He was retired. Taken yeah. right off the street. He was coaching high school football two weeks earlier. So, I mean, that would make a big difference. And at the Matt the Moore time, beat the Vikings, don't forget. They did beat the Vikings. But at the time, that Kansas City defense wasn't really gelling. So their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, it's his first year as D coordinator for Kansas City. If you go back and look what that defense for the Chiefs has done basically since mid-November, they've been really good. They've been an opportunistic defense that's gotten a lot of turnovers and have shut some teams down, but it gets overshadowed because of the high-powered offense. Now, weren't... Didn't the Chiefs' defense give up 21 points in the first quarter to the Texans? And then 31 eventually? Didn't they give up – how many did they give up to the Titans right away? 17 in the first half? Yeah, it was 24 nothing in the division round. It was 17-7 in the AFC Championship I game. wouldn't say it was the defense of why they won those two games. It was the offense. No, I'm saying the defense had played much better than it did at the beginning of the year. I well, They were pretty bad the last two games. The, the question would be – if you believe if Green Bay had gotten through San Francisco, would they have been like nothing stopping us now? Right, we vanquished the team that humiliated us in the regular season. If they had found a way to win that game, would you feel like, dude, we just ran through the number one defense? We came back on the road and won. Good luck stopping us in the Super Bowl, or the comeback would be, you think 
as good as San Francisco was and as good as that win would be, that Kansas City is just that much better. And that even if the Packers had gotten through San Francisco, uh, the Chiefs are still a better team and that you still wouldn't have won the game even with a win against San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco would have been the hardest for the Packers. I I don't know. I think they hang with the Chiefs. I know Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league outside of Taysom Hill. Um, wink, wink. But um, I think they hang with them. Their defense isn't as good as I'm – so, I'm sorry, Nelly, but they were well, – the Texans hung it on them right away, and the Titans with Tannehill were able to hang it on them too for a while. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers, he's picked them apart before. He can pick them apart again. What happens, though, when Mahomes gets the ball? That's my question in the Packers' defense. I think it's a close well, right. game if they, if they play. Well, it's just too – it's totally different, right? Because San Francisco was all about the defense. Garoppolo threw it eight times. If it would be Packers-Chiefs, now the, – the, because the focus of the Packers in the NFC Championship game was, can the Packer offense score against that 49er defense? The focus, if, if the Super Bowl would have been Green Bay-Kansas City, would have been – how in the world does the Packer defense slow down Patrick Mahomes? So I guess it goes back. We had this Twitter play, I think, going into the playoffs. Who are you more confident in, the Packer defense or the Packer offense? I think Packer defense won that poll. So mm-hmm. it would be, would you feel more confident that the Packer defense could slow down Patrick Mahomes in that Chiefs offense, or were you more confident that the Packer offense could score against San Francisco? Clearly, not once, but twice, they had nothing to combat the 49er defense. So then the question would be, could the Packer defense have kept up with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the one question. The Chiefs' defense gave up 21 points in the first quarter to the Texans. I mean, if you give Aaron Rodgers a 21-point lead right away against the Chiefs, what do you think happens? They can hang on for a victory, you think? Would you take? Who defense would you rather have, the Texans or the Packers? I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, man, I'd have to think. I'd have to. I guess I'd have to think about that. Well, what do you think, Nelson? I, I got your take on the Chiefs' defense. Do you think the Packer defense could keep, not slow him down or shut him up, but do you think they could keep up with Patrick Mahomes? Man, I don't th- I don't really think they could. When you have th- that high-powered of an offense that's that good, you can contain them for long enough, but you can't completely stop them. And I just, I just don't think this Packers offense was good enough to keep up with the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City team. Uh, it's an interesting question. What say you, Packer fans? 608 321 Because, yeah, I mean, now we're going to do the whole offseason, right? A coulda, shoulda, wouulda's. And, oh, if we had, you know, if they had done this or they had done this, you know, if, I'll tell you what, if San Francisco's, you know, what if San Francisco, what if that defense is that much the truth? And what if they win Sunday 28 to 6 and Patrick Mahomes looks like, you know, JV and they pick him off three times and sack him seven times. Are we going to go back then and say, damn, maybe, maybe the Packers aren't that far off. Maybe they just ran in. Maybe the 49ers just were that great of a team. I mean, the 49ers, do you think the 49ers 49ers are the most complete team? Well, that's my, are they though? That's my question. Like if Kansas city wins this game, they're just going to say, dude, the Packers, they were kind of lucky to be in the end. That's the, what did everybody say this whole season about the Packers? Luckiest 13 and three team, worst 13 and three team. It all lined up for them perfectly. They're, they're not a, they're not a contender. They're a pretender. And if Kansas City wins 35 to 10 on Sunday, everyone's going to say, see, the Packers had no business uh, being in there. But if, if San Francisco wins and wins convincingly, don't you think that'll make the loss look better? <laughs> Serious. 
Oh, can a loss Nothing ever look? Yes, can a loss ever look better? Good? No, if what if you, you don't think if can if San Francisco does the exact same thing to Kansas City because you just said it, Nelson. Yeah, I guess Patrick I mean Mahomes. team of destiny, yada yada yada. Well, Patrick or, Mahomes is better. As much as I love Aaron Rodgers, I can say this: Patrick oh, me, Mahomes is better than Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes right is like Rodgers in 2010, 2011. Yeah. So if San Francisco's defense shuts down Patrick Mahomes, doesn't that say maybe it wasn't that bad? Maybe just San Francisco's deep. Maybe they did have a once in a lifetime defense. And we Joe, just ran into. You can't into- unsee Jimmy Garoppolo taking the snap and handing it off almost every play, and them just running it. Well, that, right then down we're back the to throat. the de- yeah. Then we're back I, to the defense. So I don't think it'll ever make that loss better. That just it just shows how much more the Niners and other people are ahead of the Packers and their philosophy and scheme and whatnot. I just it it's it, it's a watermark of where you or a benchmark where you want the Packers to eventually be, right? Cuz doesn't Matt LaFleur come from that same coaching tree that Shanahan comes from? Yeah. Like there were there were leaked videos of Kyle Shanahan talking to an official saying the exact play what was going to happen and watch the guy hold and it played out right there right in front of him 5 seconds later. Like that's how far ahead Kyle Shanahan and his staff were ahead of LaFleur. So then back to the other question. I'll start with you then, Nelson, because you're, you're right there. Do you th- do you think that would the Packer defense have just been embarrassed by Mahomes? Cause if, if- I, I think they would have. I mean, if you look at the first box score, the Chiefs put up 24 points. I mean, Matt Moore had some respectable numbers. But do you really think if you had Patrick Mahomes over a course of a game, the Packers could hold Tyreek Hill under 80 yards receiving and no touchdowns and Kelsey under 65 yards. I just can't see that. Yeah. Blake Martinez, you think he's going to be covering Kelsey? Oof. <laughs> plus, plus Damian Williams wasn't the uh, head back at the time. Shady McCoy was getting the majority of the carries. He, was un- he wasn't even active, I don't think, for some games down the stretch for him. So, they, I mean, they have a different running back who's younger and I would just like to see it. And Patrick can, Mahomes well, in. Can we just yeah. tell the Niners to stay home and the Packers will replace them just so we can see it? Just to see what see they what do. A, see what a play is out? <laughs> Are we sure we want to witness yeah. that air raid, though? Just to yeah, see I what do. the Packers do. I'm 110% positive I want to see it. Well, but here's the wouldn't, but wouldn't that kind of defeat everything cuz we the whole what was the whole point of this offseason? Reinventing the defense, you know, it's Zadarius and Preston Smith, it's Adrian Amos, it's more high draft picks on on defense again. And if Patrick Mahomes or any team, whether you know it was if they had played a Drew Brees in the Saints in the playoffs or a Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and they, the defense just gets taken apart, don't we kind of go back to square one? Because isn't everybody's thinking this offseason, oh, the defense is fine. You know, maybe you get one or maybe you get another inside linebacker to replace Blake Martinez, but that's about it. The defense is pretty well set. We got to go out and get a whole bunch of wide receivers and tight ends and get more weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Well, if the defense would have been beat by the Chiefs by 40 points, aren't we right back to square one saying, well, now we're back to who knows what we need to do this offseason? Because I think it's pretty well defined right now as Packer fans. Most Packer fans think the defense is good enough. Now let's go get Aaron Rodgers' weapons, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but is the defense good enough? That's my question. If, if you think They've the been doing Chiefs it for years, would have blown out the Packers, then no, the defense isn't How good enough. How long have they been trying to make the defense you know, a juggernaut? Like seven years, eight years. I think it's time to go get some wide receivers in the first round. Something on offense to help Aaron Rodgers with some skill positions here. And I agree with you. Defense. I, and Brandon Gutekunst, he was talking a little bit the other day on the podium. Blake Martinez, from what I can gather, ain't he's, coming back. He's, he's done. He's, he's, he's gone. Done. So, I mean, 
you got to focus on that too now. Wide receiver, inside linebacker. I would say, yeah, first round, 30th pick's got to either be an inside linebacker or wide receiver. But I'm with you. You know, as great as, you know, maybe saying even going more on defense, I just the idea of giving Aaron Rodgers a first round talent. Just, never, just, it's never happened. Never happened. Do it. 608 321 Jason, welcome to the Joe and Evo show. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How you hey, doing? Hi, what's Jason. up, dude? Yeah, not so bad. Hey, talking about first-round talent with uh, wide receiver, they have shown time and time again that they don't need to draft somebody in the first round to get, you know, first-round talent. Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, I mean, always Greg Jennings, you, you name it, you know, you go back, all these guys have been found at least the second round and further back and have made them, and they have, you know, come out. Just you're looking for wide receivers with a heck of a work ethic, and we don't know if, you know, some of those guys uh, like uh, Geronimo Allison has that kind of work ethic. I'm assuming from, um, from what we've seen this this year so far, Alan Lazard has that work ethic, just needs a, few, a little bit more time in the system to, you know, make it more worthwhile. I mean, Jordy Nelson wasn't Jordy Nelson right off the bat. It took him a little bit. You know, every guy that comes into the NFL takes a little bit. There's that rare talent that comes into uh, the NFL that really just bursts on the scene. So, Jason, do you, you think right? that do you think the Packers would have had enough firepower or enough chops, not necessarily to beat Kansas City, but just to be in the game, so we would win or lose if we, they were in that Super Bowl to come out of it and say we're not that far away? I think that it would have been a heck of a game. I mean, you take a look back at the time they played at Kansas City. That defense, you know, was kind of porous. I mean, they found matchups uh, against. Uh, our running, we found matchups against our running back that they, you know, against uh, they had their linebackers on a running back, and it was the last play of the game where it was like a 70-yard touchdown on a little swing pass that uh, help me with the name here. I'm forgetting it at the moment. Um, our running back, Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've got different data on the mind, so hang on. Um, you know, Aaron Jones ran it to the house for like 70 yards, and where he wasn't even touched. I think it would have been a great scheme. I think it would have been a great play, uh, great game. I think it would have been, uh, came down at the end. Um, for the for the Super Bowl, I still think it's going to be good. Um, I'm I'm seeing Garoppolo having jitters, but with their uh, with Kansas City's defense, they will you know do better against the run than the, that the Packers did last week or two weeks ago. Uh, but I, I kind of see Kansas City pulling this out. I'm kind of rooting uh, uh, for Kansas City just because. You know, he's been there with Philadelphia and it had, and, you know, didn't come down at the, it came down to the end, but he didn't win it. So hoping Kansas City does. So Andy Reid gets his Super Bowl. I'd like to see Kansas City, you know, finally win one after 50 years. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for the Chiefs. Thank you, Jason. I wait, appreciate it. Yeah, hey, Jason? Hold on. I got a, I got a different dad. Yeah, I know. Guys. I thought that was coming. Oh, this or that. Yeah. Dang. Sorry, bro. Go ahead. <laughs> see, I knew I could feel it, Jason. <laughs> I knew you. you're, Thank I knew you, what you're Evo. doing. I could feel it. I was We had to throw the media guy at our phone screener because he wasn't answering the phone. Nelson has been had this bad habit of just being on his phone nonstop lately. So when he's not paying attention, we throw the media guy at this window that he sits at. Yeah, he he just, he just wants to listen to me. That's why. Yeah. Oh, he was just doing him. gambling lines on his phone. I don't even think he was listening. <laughs> just to see what he did. <laughs> uh, All right, let's go, baby. I got four for you today for Dister Dad. Uh, we'll start with the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, fantastic start so far. Uh, win last night, one by 20, came, you know, without uh, Giannis. Uh, Middleton put in 51, but they're in unprecedented territory for the franchise. Off that fantastic start, 41 and six. 
Last season, they clinched the division by March 22nd with 10 games left to play, currently up 11 games on, Indi- uh, on Indiana. Um, just to kind of give you a heads up here, there's 15 games in March, eight games in April. My thought, March 12th, they played the Celtics at home. The Bucks will clinch the division by this date, or will it be later towards more April? Uh, I, yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy. I'm going to say before, Jason, I saw the Bucks are the actually the only team in the NBA that currently has a magic number. They're <laughs> that far ahead. I think it's like, I mean, it's high. It's like in the 20s. But there's actually already a magic number for the Bucks. You know, they've won, what, 16 in a row. Now they're up to nine. And if you get through that Nuggets game this week, I think they've got clear sailing again. So I will say it'll be done by the end of February. Yeah, I'm the Bucks get it wrapped up like ASAP. I don't think they I think they lose like maybe like one or two games in this next stretch. That's it. I mean, February and March they have uh some pretty good teams that they play Lakers, the Nuggets, uh they play 76ers. Um I mean, powerhouses in the in the East, you know, Toronto, Celtics. So, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think March 12th might actually be the date where it actually where it happens and that's about 17 games out. Uh switching uh to the Packers. So, Packers season ended a game too soon in all our opinions. Um but it was a, fl- a fun and delightful start to Matt LaFleur's uh tenure as head coach. So, 13-3 in the regular season as a new coach would put you in the running for coach of the year, but there but there's been barely a mention. Does LaFleur not get the credit because he inherited a team that had Aaron Rodgers on it, or does he need to make more of a name for himself like the other candidates? Yeah, this, I, this that's a great question, Jason. I've gone back and forth on this one because it's probably going to be like Harbaugh or Shanahan, and I, I think it's just always, even though it's so funny, right? We rip on Aaron Rodgers because he's no longer elite, but then Matt LaFleur doesn't get credit for the season because he's got Aaron Rodgers. Like, Pick your side, right? Is Aaron Rodgers still a great quarterback or not? Because if Aaron Rodgers is no longer elite, Matt LaFleur is clearly coach of the year. I just feel, I think it's hilarious how people play both sides of it. I think Matt LaFleur should get some, you know, talk when it comes to coach of the year. Um, and I think it's kind of asinine that he's not, Jason. I think he should be up there. 13-3, and three, one game away from the Super Bowl. You should be in consideration for coach of the year. Especially since, you know, you – are a first-time head coach coming yeah. into it, and somebody, putting your own. New, they've never. This never happened ever. That for the the Packers organization of a, a first-year head coach having a winning season and making the playoffs, let alone a game away from the Super Bowl. I mean, you even you came, Vince Lombardi uh, never even did it. You 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 came a butt away from being the first seed. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to the San yep. Francisco Seattle game. Yep. And that Sunday night. Yep. So. Uh, third, uh, Brian Gunnikin said himself a heck of a year. He really should have been up there. He should be up there for executive of the year for, uh, for honors, talking about, you know, awards coming up uh, on Saturday. Signed four free agents that impacted the team positively. A new head coach, uh, top four picks uh, he made in the draft uh, last year, saw significant Rashawn playing Gary, time. Amazing. Re- <laughs> Here's a recap for Sean Gary, uh, Darnell Savage, Elgin Jenkins, and Jay Sternberger. Of the moves he made last offseason, which was the best Mookie Mays, signing Zadarius Smith or hiring Matt LaFleur? Ooh. Oh. Wow. Uh, thank you, Jason. I appreciate the phone call, brother, and the game. I'll. Well, man. the reason why he's not getting an executive of the year is because he took Rashawn Gary at 12. But I'll say him getting Zadarius, the Smith brothers. More than the Zedarius coach. Smith. Yeah. 
I got to go, Coach. I mean, I don't see the Matt LaFleur hanging his shirt down saying snubbed or having a shirt down with something written on that's it. That's a great question, Jason. I get Evil's point. I'm, I'm going to go, Coach, though. 608 321 1670. Who do we got? Who's this? Who this? Hey, this is Sean. Hey, hey, hey Sean. Sean. What's up, brother? What's up? Welcome to the Joan Evo Show. Hey. Look, I got to set you guys straight on this whole could the Packers keep up with Kansas City in the Super Bowl thing. Hit us, Sean. Let's go. I'm on Team Nelly here. Um, well, that's that's very rare too. He doesn't have many on his team. <laughs> well, he needs the help he can get. So we, there's um, no doubt about that. You, you saw Chiefs offense put up 51 points in two and a half ish quarters against a Texans team, and you can't convince me that the Packers defense is that much better than a Texans defense. Maybe a little bit, but not that much better. So it, you could give Rodgers a 21, 24 point even lead. Are you thinking he's going to be able to score? 30 points to keep up with Pat Mahomes? I doubt it. I mean, not with the way that offense is built. They, they're they based on the run. They're based on Aaron Jones. Yeah, they look great in their first matchup, but I just don't see Rodgers putting up, you know, 50 points to keep up with that. And that was only in two and a half quarters. If they hit the ground running, they might put up 65 points on a yeah. Packers. Defense. I would love to see it, Sean. I, you know, I go back to that first game they had in the season where Rodgers kind of dink and dunk, picked them apart down the field. Could he duplicate it and do it again? I think it would be close. But uh, I just would love to see it. Maybe, but does your game plan have to change because you've got Pat Mahomes on yeah. the other side putting up a touchdown in three minutes as opposed to Matt Moore, who's you know not doing anything? So right. You've got, you've got a you've got a different offense. You can't you can't dink and dunk for four yards and try and chew up time. Yeah. If Pat Mahomes is putting up a touchdown every three minutes when he gets the ball. Well, that would, thank you. It's uh, a great question, Thanks, Sean. Uh, Sean. The, yeah, the question would be: Does does Green Bay get into a count point counterpoint, or is this the game then where? You hope Aaron Jones has 175 rushing yards uh, in that game. Uh, one more, 608-321-1670. Gavin, welcome to the Joe and Ebo Gavin. Show. Hey, boys, how are we living this morning? What's up, Gavin? Good, man. How are you? Doing good, Ebo. Hey, I, I agree. I, I do kind of think the Packers would struggle to keep up with the Chiefs. Uh, here's why. So, Nelly was talking about the defense for Kansas City. They are they are playing much better. Um, you, you look at the 21 points they give up against the Texans. Seven of those was on a block kick. And then the other seven was on a muffed punt. Um, so they, they really gave up seven points in that first quarter. If you look at that Titans game, I mean, Derrick Henry had seven rushing yards, I think, in the second half, so they shut him down. Um, they've been playing much better lately since Chris Jones has came back. He's been healthy. Um, and on the offense, guys, I mean, I, I don't know if we really need to say too much about that. I, I, I do kind of remember Matt Moore moving the ball pretty well against the Packers in that first matchup. And their weapons, I mean, there's no way the Packers can match up with those weapons. Um, the only way the Packers have a shot is if it was an absolute shootout. Um, I think that's the only way it's even close in that game, guys. Um, and, Joe, to the draft, talking about the first-round pick here. And remember that 12th pick, Gavin? Fire! And, 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 of course, before I call, yeah, that Rashawn Gary somehow gets brought yeah, up. Yeah, Gavin, it's like, it's like Rashawn time. Gary talks when you're calling in. It's, like, meant to be. I'll say this, I'll say this Joe. Uh, you know, around this time now, they do a lot of those redraft of the last year's draft, and I have yet to see Mr. <laughs> Gary in the top 32 picks of a redraft. Hey, I don't I think – did they have Kenny Clark in the top 32 in the redraft the year after, Gavin? Hey, I'm telling I'm just you, trying Joe. to protect you from looking silly in two years when he's first-team All-Pro. Kenny Clark actually played his rookie year, though. I, I like the Kenny Clark pick. Now, I was on I was on board with Miles Jack. He was the guy I wanted in that draft, but I actually like Kenny Clark. Sean Gary's a scrub. Uh, but anyway, guys, to uh, to the draft, I'm I'm kind of thinking, Joe, that they might need to address in the first round the front seven. It's not just those two games against the 49ers. They struggled on run defense. 
Uh, you remember week two against the, the Vikings. I think we lose that game if they just keep giving the ball to Delvin Cook. Oh, um, and sure. even even the Broncos game, I mean, I, they ran all over us in that game. Our front seven really struggled. Lancaster, Lowry, those that's those are just well. They guys. they need uh, thank you, Gavin. Thanks, what Gav. they need is yeah. I don't know if it's up front or they just need a hammer at middle linebacker. I love the grinder mentality of Blake Martinez, but we need a thoroughbred man. We need a dude who's got four five speed, who's two fifty, who can drop into coverage or come up and blow up a running back. They haven't had that ten years, twenty years. They they need Gavin a freak middle linebacker. So I I don't know if that fixes it, but I still like the idea of a stud wide receiver. So the good news is it's January and the draft is in May. So we got some yeah. time to figure that out. We say good morning to our Bucks insider, Tony Cartagena. No Giannis, no problem, Tony. I, I When I made that bet, minus 16 yesterday in the Daily Action Zone, even though I had no knowledge that Giannis wasn't playing, I I, I mean, I was like Kreskin, right? And if you think I'm serious, well, I'm totally kidding right now. It's open. It closed at minus 11 and a half. Yeah. I, I should have waited. Yeah, really exactly. Didn't matter. No, Giannis, no problem. Dude, Chris Middleton, 51 points. Big D swinging, Tony. What do you think of K-Money? Uh, one, well, he's going to be an all-star, obviously. Uh, Scott Brooks, the Wizards head coach, told us before the game that he voted for him. and Those will come out on Thursday night on the TNT broadcast. But honestly, it was the – I was talking to a couple people who were also at the game and between Middleton scoring one, Bradley Buell had 47 last night. And those two combined, it was like the quietest near 50 balls ever. Like, <laughs> it was very basic. Just The game also was a horrible basketball game. There was no flow. There was a whistle every two seconds. But Middleton was efficient. He only hit 16 shots. He was 16 to 26 from the floor. And it was just pull-up mid-range game he hit his first seven three he started seven of seven from three like that's wild I think he finished with 10 made threes and yeah it was just a classic it was like an old school not even old school like late 90s early 2000s just get to your mid-range spot hit jump shots and that's what he did and then he finished it off with a dunk and I, I don't even know if people knew Chris Middleton. So, <laughs> I, I don't ever remember a Chris Middleton fun. dunk. When's the last time he dunked besides last night? I can't even remember one. They keep track. So the guards on the team keep track of how many dunks they all have, and it's like a race. It's a, They keep a scoreboard. So I think George Hill has the yeah. lead right now because George Hill takes off on people. Yeah, George Hill but threw down like the other night too. Yeah, but even on like a fast break, sometimes Middleton will just lay it in. Like, it's just kind of his game. He's just – He's just very low-key. He's very quiet. And last night, there was just a little extra pep in his step. And when he drove the lane on that to get 51, I was watching and just looked at it. It was just like, all right, he's going to float this because anytime he takes off right, he usually just floats it. But the defender kind of moved out of the way. And dude just took off. And he said that he really had no legs at the time. But... He said, I kind of just willed myself into that one. He was so feeling was, himself. It was just fun and good for him, honestly. He gets a lot of hate. Some of it deserved, some of it not. And and to go out there and just with, obviously, the NBA community having heavy hearts and just to, like, 
just to ball out and, and kind of shine a little bit and have his teammates happy for him. Like, good for him. Tony, if Chris Middleton was like a number one or a number two on someone else's team and the Bucks were to acquire him, would they be ranting and raving about what Horst did getting Middleton? That's an interesting question. Um, probably because who's like Chris Middleton's comparison league-wide? I don't think he's Bradley Beal, even though he outscored him last night. But that's like the only one that I can think of. Like Bradley Beal is a clear number one on a team that has 15 wins. Yeah, and he, they kind of play a similar style where it's not very loud, it's not very flashy, but they put up big numbers. And the thing with Middleton though is he just does it so efficiently. But I've said this a few times on the podcast and, and some other places. Like I just think what happens with Chris Middleton, and it's not fair to him, but it's just the reality of the NBA. The NBA, you look back, like go back, take the Pistons out of it from like 2004, 2005. Go back and look at all of the championship teams, and they were either a big three or a crazy dynamic duo like Kobe and Shaq. Mm -hmm. And in today's NBA, there are a lot of dynamic duos. Chris Middleton doesn't compare to those sidekicks in any of those. And it just... It just is what it is. Now, is Gian- in some of these combinations, does Giannis' skill set make up for that? Probably. But still, you look at LeBron AD, Russell, and, and Harden. Like, yeah, when you think Bucks, I just think Giannis. Exactly. And, and when you just look back in history, even like Steph and Clay, and then Steph and KD, like those, I, I, and no offense to Chris Middleton, but like his name right now, just doesn't stack up with those other number twos. That doesn't mean that he can't get it done, but that's why I think it's very easy for people to say, oh, he'd be a good number three on a championship team. He'd be a great number three on a title team. Like, let's be honest, if Milton was the Bucks number three, they might be undefeated. And it just is what it is, but that doesn't mean he's not capable of getting the job done. But we're going to have to see it yeah. against you guys the, seen the Celtics and Sixers and Lakers more so than against the Wizards. Visiting with our Bucks insider Tony Cartagena, you mentioned uh, Tony and Evo said it too. You know, when you think Bucks, you think Giannis, and you know, you go back last year, and whether it was load management or truly an injury, and Giannis would sit out for a night, we'd always be worried, and it it came to fruition. Where teams, you know, like bad teams like Phoenix and some other teams beat them last year. Now, I mean, without Giannis, they're they're clearly still a a championship caliber team or a team that can beat bad teams. What changed from last year to this year where last year, if Giannis doesn't play, we're like, oh, man, just hang on. We'll be lucky to get a win. Where now nights that Giannis doesn't play this year, they're still winning by 20, 30 points. Well, it's always interesting when Giannis doesn't play because the team just looks different. I mean, last night they definitely missed his intensity defensively because a 30-point lead turned into a 7-point lead in the fourth quarter pretty quickly, and the Wizards were never really out of the game. But I think a lot of it just has to do with them hitting shot, like being in a position to hit shots. And some of that starts, I think with Eric Bledsoe and talking to Dante DiVincenzo about it a little bit. And just Bledsoe really controlled the game last night. Like he quietly had 34 and 10 assists. No one's talking about yeah. it because Middleton had 51 points and 10 rebounds, but Bledsoe had a season high in 34 and he dropped 10 dimes. So he was out there kind of just controlling the game and He's able to do that more when Giannis isn't in the lane. He's able to kick it out to shooters when everyone just is collapsing on a six-foot point guard driving to the rim. And yesterday, the shooters hit shots. They were, I think, eight of their first nine they made as a team. 
uh, eight in the first quarter for sure. And they're able to do things like that. But also, to really answer the question, the depth this year, in my opinion, is just a little bit better. Uh, I think Wesley Matthews is really good defensively. George Hill is hitting at a high percentage. And then Dante DiVincenzo, no knock on Nico Miritich, but like DiVincenzo creates his own shot. And that's something that Miritich never really did. He'd catch the ball yeah, you know, on shoot. the corner and take a dribble left or right and pull up from three, which isn't a like, – I mean, he was a good basketball player, but DiVincenzo creates his own shot. George Hill commands an offense off the bench. Robin Lopez makes sure that other teams aren't getting second chances to maximize possession. So, really, they're just a complete team right now at this point. They may not be the – you know, they might not have the sexiest number two in the world – uh, Don't in, matter. In Middleton, but they they go eight, nine, ten deep, and they have confidence in all of those guys. I probably even didn't even list a few, but they have confidence in all those guys to hit a three when they need one. Hey, did you see Eric Bledsoe? Was the I mean, the rumors are swirling that he's up for like on the trading block. Is that something you could see happening, or are they going to keep that you know core because they're the best team in the NBA? Yeah, I think it would, and and I I've seen the rumors, I've seen reports, I've seen. NBA teams at this time of year for the last, as long as I've been around the league, everyone's name usually except like the top three or four players in the league, everyone's name circles at this point. And it's not because the Bucks are actively looking to trade them, but it's because teams are calling about them. So the way like rumors start is the Bucks are taking calls on Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, that's because somebody called because Eric Bledsoe's good. <laughs> like, and they took they they physically took the call because they answered the phone. Like, that some of the stuff gets blown out of proportion in that way where it can be silly and something like that. But if teams are going to call about Bledsoe, great. That means that they have an asset that people want at a really good price too. But I think it would take something. I think it would we would be have we would have to use the word blockbuster if we were going to discuss an Eric Bledsoe trade like I think someone would have to call John Horst and really blow the doors off because they don't want to mess up this core right now they don't want to screw with the chemistry and he's been really really good like I, I think people it's don't realize that but he's been really good hey uh final thought Tony Friday night's Greek night do, is the do the concession stand are they gonna be rocking gyros and tapenade and baklava and instead of uh, Miller and Coors Light we're gonna get shots of Uzo like what do we got lined up for a uh, Greek night on Friday night at Pfizer um I think there is a stand in there that sells a good euro so oh. maybe I'll have to check that out there there's so many stands in that restaurant that I wouldn't be surprised but mm. Or uh, in that arena, excuse me. But yeah, I, I would think that they they may have a couple a couple things planned. Hey Tony, tell everyone how they can get a hold of your podcast and uh, what it is and what it all involves. Yeah, the Good Sports Land podcast. It's on MadCitySportsZone dot com. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can get your podcast, and it's really just an inside look at Milwaukee sports from different storytelling to personal experiences and all the above. We're gonna have. Uh, Brent Suter on of the Milwaukee Brewers later nice. this week talking nice. about his eco-friendly clubhouse that he's pushing for. So lots of fun stuff. Cool, man. Can't wait. Well done, Tony. Appreciate your brother and, uh, and eat up. Lots of gyros, man. You can't go wrong with a good gyro. Thanks for having me, guys. See you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. There he is, Tony what Cartagena. What about Oh, baklava. Get some tapenade. A little olive mm. salad. Oh, mm. man. Some falafel. Some hummus. God dang, that Oof. sounds good. Still just blown away by Lethal Weapon 5. We asked, what would the name be? It's coming back. Original cast, original director.
Um, I'm going to say lethal weapon five, parentheses, literally, Murtaugh took too much Viagra. Oh, no. You know, they say after 24 hours, if you still have an erection. No, four hours. Is it four hours? Yeah, it's four. Okay. Lethal weapon five, Riggs's Cialis is still kicking in. And I would, after four hours, why even call the doctor? Just keep going. <laughs> Enjoy it, you know? <laughs> All right. 24 hours, then maybe, sure. If you have a uh, suggestion for the name of Lethal Weapon 5, uh, let's see, what do we have here? Uh, catheters and prune juice. Get the diapers. <laughs> Danger and depends. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Not sure about that one. He didn't. Uh, well, agreed, but I don't know what that has to do with Lethal Weapon 5. I still have to pay that skater chick? Well, that was Gator Franks. I don't get that one either. That one went over my head, so I didn't... Um, did you get that one? Gator, you have to tweet in and explain that one to me. Uh, lethal Weapon 5, Nursing Home Homicide, and Lethal Weapon 5, The Denture Bandit. Keep them coming in uh, on Twitter at Zoe Madison. All right, the other over thing... Over under 5 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, they they hate these. They continuously went down. Yeah. I'm looking like, at these Like the, the reviewers, the official reviewers will give it like probably like a 3, but the audience score will probably be like an... Eight, you know, like you know, you know how they do. Yeah, yeah. The the critics will hate it. Um, all right. The other thing we've been putting out on Twitter is if it was Green Bay, not San Francisco, on Sunday, what would the Super Bowl look like? Could the Packers win? Could they lose a close game or get blown out? I feel like again, I don't know. And everyone can is right to their own vote. We live in a democracy. I love it. Greatest country on the planet. Uh, but I feel like 41% of you voting been blown out. Again, are you factoring in that if they're in this game, they're beating San Francisco? So are you saying that that can if you're vote if you're in the 41% that's voting blowout, are you saying, yeah, it, even if Green Bay would have taken down this incredible defense in San Francisco, they're still not good enough to keep up with Kansas City? Because I think you were in the blowout case, Nelson. Wouldn't you be saying though, if they got through San Francisco? <laughs> And they got through that defense? Aren't they good enough to beat anybody? No, because styles make fights. And when we already looked at it, when you have about even defenses and then Kansas City has the much better offense, you have to go Kansas City. I don't think the Packers could uh, score with them. I agree styles make fights, but you would also agree, uh, Ebo, with this. We've talked about many times. Momentum is a real thing, right? Momentum is real. Packers win it all. if they had gotten through San Francisco, I – I mean, there's no. They'd probably still be a significant underdog in this game. Um, I, they'd probably be. Well, we had it last week. We had Raphael said they'd be around a six to seven point dog, so they'd still be a significant dog in this game. But I don't know. I would feel like, boy, if you get if they had exercised the demons of beating San Francisco, I I would have liked Green Bay's chances in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would like it too. If you're a team, it was a team that was doubted all year. Every single game, it was, well, I don't think the Packers can win this one. And they'd go and win it. So who, who's not to say they couldn't do it against the, against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? If you were to get by the Niners, momentum, you uh, were the most underappreciated and doubted on two seed with home field, you know, first round bye and home field advantage, so they went to the one seed, obviously. But it's not out of the realm of possibility, is it? Well, let me ask both of you guys this. Do you think Green Bay is better than Houston and Tennessee? Do you think the Packers this year or right now, if they played right now, who's a better team out of the three? Green Bay, Tennessee, or Houston? Who's the best of those three? I'll take the Packers. Nelson? Man, I think uh, 
I think they're better than Houston, but style-wise, I feel like that'd be a really good game with Tennessee, especially how they were both playing. So the reason I'm asking is if Houston, which did get up 24-0 on Kansas City and couldn't hold it, do you th- and Tennessee, who got up 17-7 on Kansas City and couldn't hold it, the question then would be if the Packers had a 17-7 lead or a 24-0 lead over Kansas City, do you think they could have held it? What did the Packers' defense do all year? Didn't they hold leads all year? How many times did we see the Packers' defense? Oh, they held on to win it. They stopped them to win it. Didn't they do that? Yep. There you go. There's your answer. So do you think, do you think Nelly, if Green Bay was up 24-0 on the Chiefs, could they have held that lead? Could they have done what Houston couldn't do? Uh, maybe. But then you also have to think, who's the quarterback for Houston? Deshaun Watson. He, by all accounts, has been better than Aaron Rodgers the last two years. And that's not even a question in my mind. And he still couldn't hold the lead. I mean, yeah, I'd say Watson's better right now. And then, but then, in somebody, you know, we go back to what's a better team? Like Ebo, you had asked about the defense. I think they're all close, right? What's a better defense? Houston, Tennessee, or Green Bay, or Kansas City? Like, yes, I know that San Francisco's defense is better by a long shot. But is the Chiefs' defense better than the Packers? Is the Titans' defense better than the Packers? Is the Texans' defense better than the Packers? Because that's to me what it would come down to. Yeah, well, let me just get up the complete list here as my computer loads. Um, well, but, I mean, just go, what I test. Who do you think is the god of those four? Who do you think is the best defense? Green Bay, Kansas City, Houston, Tennessee. Well, if I, I would put the Chiefs last. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is that great. Do you guys? I mean, like Nelson said, if they did get better at the end, but you have to factor in the whole thing, and yeah, they were they were an average defense. Um, the Packers were middle of the Packers were fifteenth in the league. I guess the Chiefs were the Chiefs are right by the Packers. I guess. Well, wow, I, I said they're pretty identical defense. And then um, I don't know. I just I would love to see the but chance to do it because we saw for Houston and Houston was Tennessee, Tennessee was twelfth, and Tennessee. My computer's not loading good right now. You gotta give me a bit. Gotta wrong. love technology. It's right. like half loaded. Okay, so we're well, going half cocked. So they're all, so they're roughly all in the same boat. 12, 15, 16, right? They're all, they're all about the same. Yeah. Okay. So if the tie break then is defense, and we want to say, just move on. Uh, if it's all about defense and they're all roughly the same, um, then. You'd have the same outcome. That's my point. Do you think it'd be the same? So would Green Bay, if Green Bay's defense is similar to Houston's and Tennessee's and Houston and Tennessee's defense couldn't hold double-digit leads, then there's no way the Packers could hold it. If Mahomes gets rolling, the Packers couldn't hold a double-digit lead either. I don't think so. I'd love just to see it, though. Uh, I'd love to see it. uh, Well, we're not going to, sadly. That's why we play this game. We Packer, play the, since we're playing this game, game, Packers beat the Chiefs in a lands, <laughs> landslide, win Super Bowl, hoist the Lombardi Trophy, and it's glorious. Uh, all right, 608 321 away in. Would the Packers in the coulda, shoulda, woulda bowl, could they have beaten Kansas City, or would that have been a, if it was a defensive bloodbath in the NFC Championship game, would it have been an offensive bloodbath at the hands of Patrick Mahomes? And Lethal Weapon 5 with original cast members. What would you name a movie about a 75-year-old policeman that was trying to retire 30 years ago? Did you see the newest Terminator? I did. How was it? Not bad. Really? There, I said it was very, it was like, it's the exact same. Did they like same. reset everything? Yeah, it was like, well, they took different, it was the timeline of term, if, if, if it was, 
Terminator 2's timeline. So it was a lot. It was like the sequel to Terminator 2. It's a cool movie. Oh, Lethal Weapon 5. The mayor cut cops and gave out bus stops. The buses. <laughs> That's ours.